You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner, joined as always by my good friend, RKJ. Ron, how are you today? I'm good. We got a lot of stuff to get into today, obviously, but uh, we kicked off last show talking about the Milk Crate Challenge, the viral videos coming out, and I don't know if you saw uh, Juju Smith-Schuster decided to do it uh, as well. He was successful, but a week before the regular season, you'd think uh, that you'd be a little smarter not to do it then. Made me feel a little better about not signing him maybe this offseason. I don't know about you. Might be some bad juju for most people. It was not too bad for him. He made it through it without falling <laughs> his face. So, hey, you know. To each his own. I will say that this time of year is pretty fun for us nerds who get really excited about roster construction, about seeing how the Chiefs are going to put this team together. Yesterday, they started most of the cut downs to the 53-man roster, at least the initial version of it. By the time you listen to this, you'll hear uh, the practice squad being formed. Ron, first first impressions, what's your quick takeaways or surprises? Uh, What struck you about the roster cut down? Well, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me going through it, uh, you know, Tuesday night after the cutdowns were made official that Tim Ward was one of the players waived. Uh, I thought he had a really impressive training camp, impressive preseason, albeit against, you know, backup linemen. He was never really used as a starter uh, in any in any capacity. But I just thought I saw really good things from him. He had a really good jump off the ball, which is always, you know, something you can't really teach. That's kind of just a natural thing. You know, had a few sacks, had, you know, that strip sack that Kando, uh, you know, recovered. It could have been, I guess, called an interception maybe, but in the Vikings game. But yeah, I, I, I thought he'd be the sixth defensive end on this team, but they only went up, they only went and kept five. And and I think defensive ends are really important position to have good depth at. And I just thought he would be a guy that they keep around. Maybe he's not active every game day, but shoot, you know, he's someone that you can throw in there when you need. So yeah, I, I was very surprised to see Tim Ward go. Or do you have any big surprises yourself? Well, on Tim Ward, he definitely looks like he's continuing his development in the right direction and doing some good things, and he's got the right frame and, and the right size for a Spags defensive end. I got a feeling we haven't seen the last of Tim Ward. So whether he's on the practice squad or he comes back to the active roster at some point, I would not be surprised at all to see him right back with this team and making this a, a moot point. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. And, and we, we'll talk about it, but there are some, there are some, a few different ways we can get Ward back on the roster, but I just figured he'd be someone you don't even let other teams get a chance at because, you know, as much as preseason can be a little, you know, uh, overhyped a little bit, he did have a few plays where other teams probably could have seen that, you know, teams that he played against could have seen that and said, shoot, you know, this guy's, you know, available to be picked up. Let's get him. So I just figured they wouldn't even let him get the chance to be on the open market, be a, a waiver wire pickup, but they did. And, and they know what they're doing, but I just was surprised about that. Well, for me, I would say the, the biggest surprise is really not surprising at all, which would be the Dave Tobe factor in the way this roster was constructed. We knew he had a big say in the roster. We knew that there were several players that were his favorites that would continue to be part of this team simply because of their special teams contributions. I think that came out in in this 53-man roster with a couple of extra spots with with a guy like um, Chris Lammons who made the roster at the last minute when it really uh, didn't make the roster, then made the roster, found out in, in a surprising fashion. But Chris Lammons is a guy who is purely a special teams player probably at this point for this team. Uh, but he's a fairly dynamic one. You still kept Dorian O'Daniel, who is only a special teams contributor. And there's a handful of other players that I think you could probably point to this roster and say there's four or five Dave Tobe specials on this roster. 
Well, yeah, and, and to tie it back to the Tim Ward thing, I, you know, there's only five defensive ends on the roster now. They kept six cornerbacks with one of those being Chris Lammons. I just – I would rather have five cornerbacks and then the sixth defensive end if you're asking me. And I, I figured, especially with the cornerback depth this year, I think you have five guys that you could trust at any time to go in and play well. I, I think, you know, when you're talking about Hughes, Baker, and Fenton as your backups, I mean, that's a pretty good depth group. So I think that's the time you can get away with not having six cornerbacks, just five of them. But then defensive end, you always want rotational guys, especially with Frank Clark and Okafor both having their little injury things that we've seen this offseason. You just think that they'd, they'd emphasize defensive end depth a little more, but it, that it goes to exactly what your point is about Tobe. He wanted Lamons, and, and they, they chose Lamons over a guy like Ward who probably wasn't contributing on special teams a lot at all um, as a defensive end. And, and a guy like Armani Watts, too, survives the cut, as, as we kind of thought maybe he had a chance to – to be his last year here in, in Chiefs Kingdom with Devon Key kind of coming on strong. But they went with Watts over him, although I will say Watts kind of finished the training camp strong. You just think maybe, you know, we he, he makes the team because he was the special team's snap leader last year. And Key, as a guy that kind of had a, a weaker preseason uh, to an extent after a strong start, you know, playing with the first team, you know, maybe they want would want to keep him, um, but decided, hey, you know what, Watts is a special teams guy. We need him. So, yeah, I, I just think Tobe's fingerprints are all over this roster, all over this cut down day. And it seems like it always is, right? We, we're we expecting that. But it is still a little, you know, with the Tim Ward thing, it is still a little shocking to, to hear that they went with Lamons over a guy like Ward, who I think was is an important piece, in my opinion. Well, for me, I, I always assumed that they would keep six corners. I've had that on my 53 all the way along. But I had Bo Pete Keys getting the final uh, cornerback spot instead of Chris Lamons. And that the only reason you can make the case for Lamons in, in that scenario, if it's Lamons versus Bo Pete, that's simply a special teams decision, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. Cause keys was actually a guy that played cornerback for this team last season. All, you know, not exactly in, in important situations, but uh, that week 17 game, when it was all the backups, he played pretty well, uh, you know, against the first team chargers offense. And, and so, yeah, I, I would think keys would get that, that nod over him as a, as a defensive cornerback, but. Like we're saying, you know, that, that special teams is important. And Lamons has definitely been a, a key special teams player for this team in recent years. And, and so that points exactly to that. Well, Bo Pete Keys is another player that I don't think we've seen the last of. So we'll wait and see if we hear some news on him later today. Uh, one guy that was released that was maybe surprising if you weren't paying attention too much, but they did cut one of their draft picks from this year, Cornell Powell a wide receiver that a lot of us were excited about before preseason started, but really was had a really, really quiet training camp in preseason. What do you think went wrong with Cornell Powell? It just seemed like he never like made a step or like had progression. He never really got better. There was never really a, a sure sign of improvement. He kind of just stayed the same throughout all of camp and all of preseason and actually, towards the end of preseason, he was playing less and less. We actually barely even saw him in the Vikings game. Uh, he came in at the very last minute. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think it's super surprising considering and, – and I actually want to applaud the Chiefs. I, I should say this. I want to applaud the Chiefs for not taking in draft capital too much into account. I, I know it should be taken into account and, and t- picking a guy like Fountain over Powell. You know, Powell, we have a longer – you know, we have a four-year rookie deal to, to – feel out him and see how he does fountain is an unrestricted free agent after this year and so you you know maybe you kind of go with long-term depth because it's a draft pick and you want to give him time to develop and we'll probably we might see him back on the practice squad and everything but it just doesn't seem like he he impressed enough and he and he's not a special teams contributor it didn't seem like it at least he wasn't on special teams either I think it all pointed to uh, you know it all pointed to him getting cut I think a lot of us were predicting it but kind of you know, kind of predicting it and not really thinking it may happen because it is a draft pick. Because when's the last time we saw a, the Chiefs cut a draft pick, uh, you know, before their first season? I know Kavari Russell comes to mind. And, and but besides that, in 2015, I don't remember one. So it is an unprecedented thing for Veach to get rid of a guy. Uh, and, you know, we'll see him on the practice squad, maybe. But to get rid of a guy before his first season. Definitely unusual. You hate to see it, but. If you look at the the signs were there, right? Cornell Powell was a player in college who took some time to develop. He wasn't known for great separation. You know, he was a contested catch player. He, um, he became a really good special teams player in college, but for whatever reason, didn't 
establish himself there. And that may have been his biggest downfall in this preseason was if he could have carved out a big special teams role, then there's no reason why he wouldn't have made the roster because you're right with the contract, they're going to want to keep those, those guys on those rookie deals as long as they can. But I think that combination of maybe a lack of, of separation, a lack of special teams play, maybe a little bit slower development, uh, just all signs pointed to this being a player that just wasn't in the immediate plans for the team. But again, like you said, I, I would love to see him back on the practice squad, give him a chance to come around, uh, assuming he makes it through waivers. Yeah, exactly. But it is important to note that it's not like Darius Fountain has a, a has a big special teams presence either. And so I think it, it really did come down to who was a better receiver. And I think they they went with the better guy. I think Fountain showed out uh, enough in this preseason to where he, he's he's a guy that they can trust if they do do this wide receiver by committee, you know, with Robinson Pringle, uh, you know, and, and maybe and we'll talk about Kemp maybe coming back. But Robinson and Pringle, you know, as, as those ex receivers, you know, if, if one of them gets hurt, I think they can trust Fountain to come right in right away and kind of give you what Pringle gives you and, and maybe not to the extent of Pringle because he has the experience and everything. But I think Fountain's pretty comparable to Pringle actually right now. I think they're actually similar players. That's the thing about Powell. You, ha- you have to uh, distinguish yourself on one or the other, right? Ideally, you, ha- you got production in the offense and you're a great special teams player. But if you can't distinguish yourself on either one of the two, yeah. then your chances for the roster are pretty slim. Obviously, Fountain uh, produced on, on offense, but not on special teams. Other players, you know, have produced on special teams and made the roster like we just talked about. Uh, if Powell didn't really do either, then, then it was pretty clear that it was an easier decision maybe than we thought. Now, the other guy who distinguished himself actually in both in the preseason but still got cut, Marcus Kemp. A lot of people freaked out day moment one when he got cut. You know, we had this theory all along that there was a little bit of roster maneuvering to be done. on cut down day. And it starts to me with the offensive line numbers. They kept 10 on the initial offensive line roster. I had a feeling that at least one or two of those guys might go to the injured reserve list after the initial cut down, which means that they can come back in as soon as three weeks, but they don't count against the 53 man roster. So to keep that many offensive linemen day one, they had to let somebody go. And when you let somebody go in this um, environment or in this scenario, if it's a vested veteran that does not pass through waivers, they can just sign right back with the team. Kemp fits that category. And he was a guy that, that certainly has interest in being with the Chiefs and has been with the Chiefs multiple times already. So I think it's a pretty safe uh, assumption. And, and it's been reported elsewhere that Kemp being cut was not so much a reflection on Kemp but uh, it's a roster maneuvering move for when either Austin Blythe goes to IR or somebody else. So we think that at least one player is going to IR today and Marcus Kemp will return in that spot. But I can see really up to three players going to that injured reserve list today. I I don't know if you had thoughts on that, Ron, but we'll we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, Marcus Kemp, I think it, it, it all makes sense because they did only keep five receivers initially, and I don't think any of us thought that that would be the case. I think six was was the good number, especially when we're talking about a wide receiver by committee behind Tyree Kill. You don't have a, a, a solid number two right now. We hope it's McCole Hardman, but let's be honest. It, it's, it's, it's not at this point. We do need a wide receiver by committee, so you need depth of that position. So, yeah, it makes sense that there's another receiver coming back. Obviously, it makes sense Kemp's coming back. It's nice to have that, you know, that option to where he doesn't have to go through waivers. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Maneuver the roster, find those little edges you can make so you can initially keep Blythe and LDT. But there is another guy that that we need to talk about that injury kind of came out later. Well, first, LDT is I mentioned there might be two other players that could go to IR from the offensive line group. Uh, LDT being one of those. He's dealing with a broken bone in his hand, if I remember correctly, which is going to make yes. surgery difficult for him, but also playing offensive line. So if right. he's not ready to come back right away, you could see him being on that shorter-term IR list. That would drop the Chiefs down to as little as eight offensive linemen if both LDT and Austin Blythe went to the injured reserve list today. Um, I'm not sure that they're going to stick with eight 
offensive linemen. Uh, so, but there's some debate on whether or not LDT actually needs to go to IR or not. Uh, I don't know if you've seen or heard any news on that front. No, we really haven't, right? No, we haven't heard uh, at all about LDT and update on him. And honestly, the Blythe injury is even kind of going under the radar a little bit. It's a sports hernia. And that's never, you know, that's that's kind of a, as a lineman, not also a good thing to deal with either. So, yeah, I can see both of them going on short-term IR. You know, that obviously opens up a spot for Kemp, but opens up another spot. And and so I don't know if they bring back another lineman, maybe Wyatt Miller, who was cut, you know, or Daryl Williams, who's can have that center guard versatility. Um, Blythe was a, the backup center at this point. I know Allegretti's gotten center snaps as well, but maybe Daryl Williams is someone they bring back. But I am interested to, to get into talking about the, the third player that may have to go on IR because he, he's someone we none of us want to see, you know, not start the season, but it's a reality right now uh, uh, to his injury. I'll let you go in that. Yeah, the, the news came out somewhat controversially for, from an account on Twitter. I think it was Arrowhead Live was the name. Uh, that had reported that Willie Gay Jr. had turf toe and was at risk of missing some time. Most people questioned it at the time. To that, to the credit of that Twitter account, they were proven right when Andy Reid spoke uh, just the other day. But Willie Gay Jr. dealing with turf toe, both Reid and Gay have said that it's not going to be that long that he's going to miss. But Turf toes can be a very serious injury. It can be something that can cost players an entire season. Hopefully it's not that, but if he's going to miss one or two weeks, even with, with this turf toe, it might make some sense for him to go to the IR. You can come back in three weeks now from IR. Uh, why rush him back from turf toe if that's the case? So maybe Willie Gay Jr. Uh, expected to be a star breakout this year. It'd be very disappointing to see him miss time, but – if he's going to miss time, uh, you could leverage the roster spot uh, for somebody else if, if it's going to be close to three weeks. Yeah, and and it, we all kind of noticed right away, I think Darius Harris making the team as the sixth linebacker on the active roster. That may point to the fact that they think Gay might have to miss some time early in the season. And if they do decide to put him on short-term IR, I think it all the puzzles are all kind of coming back together because I, I the puzzle pieces because I do think that's how Tim Ward could maybe get back on the active roster, and so yeah, if we're talking about those three, we've said Blythe, LDT, and Willie Gay, you know, may potentially all be on IR uh, with the the COVID rules last year because originally, you know, you can only have two players put on IR that can come back during the season, um, but since it's COVID rules, it's actually unlimited now. But, yeah, so I, I think with those three out, that, that's how we could get another offensive lineman on the active roster, Marcus Kemp, and then Tim Ward. So it, it, this is, you know, we're all kind of solving the puzzle a little bit together, and we don't know for sure if that's going to be the case. But man, well, that, it, it, that brings up an interesting point is if we looked at this 53-man roster and said who were players number 54, 55, 56, 57, right, who were the, the, the last to cut or who would be the first to return if a spot opens, Marcus Kemp is obviously number one. It's already basically been reported that he's coming back. The next three guys on that list, I, I do think are Tim Ward. I think they're thin at defensive end, and, and bringing him back makes all the sense in the world uh, if he clears waivers. I, I could see Prince Tega Winogo being a, a developmental guy that they would like to have on the roster, uh, on the offensive line. I also was wondering all along whether they would keep three or four running backs, true running backs on the roster in addition to the fullback. I could see Darwin Thompson being added back to this roster at some point in time. Uh, they went with three, Clyde, Daryl, Jarek McKinnon, uh, and I think that's a good group, um, but you can never have too many running backs. Those guys get banged up. Two of those guys are already banged up. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Darwin, um, you know, come back or, or maybe even Gore just just making sure that they have depth at running back. So to me, those are the next four guys, Tim Ward, Marcus Kemp, obviously, Prince Tega, and Darwin Thompson. Anybody else that, that I'm forgetting there? No, and I do think the three running backs they kept, does uh, it does point to them being confident that Clyde and Darrell will be good to go and everything. But you you should you should have some emer you know, you should have some plan at depth at running back. I don't think they need to or they should only have three running backs, uh, you know, ready to go. I think they're confident that one of Gore Thompson will be there to get back on the practice squad and can be elevated in, in you know, in an emergency situation. 
Um, if they can get both, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they just get both on the practice squad. I mean, why not? You know, why not have that running back depth of guys that you know are familiar with the offense, especially Darwin? Uh, you know, he's been here for a while. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw both of those guys come back on the practice squad. But one at least will be back. Yeah, Darwin in some ways is is a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire type player. I would say not on the same level. But Derek Gore might be more of a Daryl Williams type player. So maybe you've got some depth at, at each of those uh, potential positions. So if you look at the roster and all, all of our predictions, I think Chiefs Kingdom was pretty unanimous in how this roster would look, at least for the top, let's say, 48 spots on the 53-man roster. So I think overall, we pretty much had a good feeling for how this would come into play with maybe you know four or five players up in the air each, each direction. But that's not to say we get everything right as Chiefs fans. I really think that there's a lot of things that we overrate and underrate about this time of year and this process. So let's do a quick game of overrated and underrated. Ron, give me one thing that we as Chiefs fans get wrong, uh, either overrated or underrated, about this time of year. Well, we all love the preseason games because, well, first of all, this year we didn't have any preseason games last year. So, so this year was especially more hype. I think that was around the league, too. I think we all felt that. Like, it was just way more attention, way more, you know, uh, things being taken away from these preseason games maybe than it was in the past. So, I think it's fair to say preseason production is a little overrated. You know, I talk about Tim Ford. He did have a great preseason in terms of getting sacks. He, he, he I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he seen, I think he had at least three, so he led the team in sacks. Um, yeah, but at the same time, they're against third stringers. You know, he was kind of doing it out of a, a two-point stance. more, And, you know, our Chiefs defensive ends don't really go out of two-point stances as much anymore as they maybe used to under Bob Sutton. So, yeah, it is it is a little it is a little overrated to, to look at preseason production and, and kind of take stuff off of that. Um, obviously, it worked out for a guy like Darius Fountain, although, you, you know, it wasn't just the production side of it. He just really looked the part as well. But, yeah, I think for a guy like Tim Ward, it's important to understand that his preseason production doesn't necessarily equal being a good player. Yeah, Darius Fountain may be the exception to that rule. He had really good production this preseason as a receiver, even if it was against second and third teams. But we get all excited when we see players making catches, you know, especially the, the Fountains and the uh, Jody Fordsons and those types over the last few years. That production, those stats, those numbers – I saw some people, you were telling me, getting excited about Shane Bouchelle from a, from a stat perspective. Uh, yeah, we get a little ahead of ourselves. There's a big difference between production, box score production in the preseason versus the regular season. Uh, I'll give you another one. I think we overrate the interest that other teams are going to have in the players that are cut from the Chiefs. So we every team has to cut down to 53 players. They're cutting as many as 27 players in a, a span of a couple of days here. There's so many players that Chiefs fans will look at uh, amongst the players that were cut and say, oh, they're never going to make it through waivers. Somebody's going to claim that guy. Somebody's going to claim, you know, Marlon Character and Derek Gore and, and uh, you know, Cornell Powell and all of the, all of these other guys. I think every team is dealing with the same roster number crunch and they got to find a spot for him if they were to make a claim. So I think as much as as I, I don't want to be negative about the Chiefs players, I do think that we overrate uh, or maybe or maybe overrate what we have in those players or overrate in how those players look from the perspective of other teams. Yeah, it's easy for Chiefs fans to do or just, you know, any fan base to do because you're only focused on this team. You're not following the preseason and training camps of every other team. Um, so I think that's easy. Just some quick math for you, Stags. So if there is 27 players cut, like you said, in a two-day span uh, by 31 other teams, that would be a 837 players all of a sudden out on the market. So that 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 points to your you know your point, obviously that you know just because we're focused on these guys, we've seen these guys do well, doesn't mean there's not you know 800 more other players that teams could be interested in. So I think that's it's a right. good point. But I, 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 on the other side, we'll underrate something because I do think, you know, as fans, we underrate the practice squad a little bit. I think we see these 
just for example, Cornell Powell, we see him cut and we're like, oh, he's a failure. You know, we didn't, you know, that didn't live up to the hype. Well, you know, it, if he does can make the practice squad and you can give him a red shirt year without ever having the pressure of playing in a real game so he can get down the offense and just perfect his craft a little more, you know, next year, all of a sudden he could, he could be a lot better in the preseason than earn his spot, you know? The practice squad is there for a reason, and I think smart teams use it uh, very well, and I think the Chiefs have always used the practice squad well. We've seen guys like, you know, Tim Ward obviously didn't make the team initially, but he's been a practice squad guy the last two years that, uh, you know, that has shown something. You know, other guys as well, uh, you know, Pringle started out on the practice squad. He wasn't initially on the on the team at first, so it, it's stuff like that. You know, Darrell Williams is another example as well. It's stuff like that that I, I think team, we need to understand that just because they're on the practice squad now doesn't mean they won't be key contributors in the future. I think Devon Key is a candidate to be a guy that, you know, he had a disappointing preseason. We're all kind of, oh, he didn't live up to the hype. You know, maybe in a year or two, all of a sudden, it, it, you know, Devon Key is one of the starting safeties on this team, and, and we're touting Veach again for finding an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I'll get to my predictions after the break, but – I do think the Chiefs are going to end up with a really, really good practice squad uh, that you can count towards the depth of this roster. And, you know, maybe you can't keep four running backs on the active roster, but if you get one of those fourth running backs on the practice squad, then that's just as good, especially with the rules this season where you can have two players each week called up from the practice squad to the game and then right back to the practice squad without going through waivers. You can do that uh, two players each week as long as each player hasn't had that happen to them more than twice in the season, you can really think of these 16 man practice squad as depth to this roster that is probably not as likely to be poached as we've thought. So I don't underestimate the practice squad. Don't turn your nose up at the fact that a guy got cut because the plan could very well be that he's part of the practice squad. He's part of the depth of this roster and he's part of their future plans. So uh, give some love to the practice squad, folks. No, I think that's a good point you made, Stags, because I, I was talking about more in the future, these practice squad guys could be available and be good players. But with these rules, you know, smart teams need to take advantage of the fact that they can bring up two guys a week and they can, you know, have these guys come up and play, you know, on the active roster for a game or two. So, yeah, I think that's important to, to know. But we also shouldn't underrate special teams. And I think Chiefs Kingdom has gotten pretty good about not underrating the value of special teams. You know, Jody Fortson is a perfect example. You know, I think we all saw it coming as soon as Tobe was telling us that, hey, Fortson has improved a lot on special teams. I think that was like the key indicator that he was going to make the team. And then a guy like Powell, you don't see him on special teams at all. I know we already mentioned it, but it, it just goes to show you that that really is part of, especially if you're not a starter, especially if you're one of the the guys that, uh, that aren't going to be playing every snap or, even close to every snap special teams is very important. And so we should never underrate that, but I think chiefs kingdom's pretty good about that by now. Yeah. But I think if you look at the, the tail end of this roster and those players that were on the bubble right before roster cut downs, even if they made the roster, what's the likelihood that some of the last players on the roster are going to be big impact players on offense or defense. There's a pretty good chance that they're blocked. You know, there, there's a better player, uh, a bigger name player ahead of them uh, or two or three, really, if you're going to see an impact from a lot of these players that we're talking about on cut down day, it's going to be on special teams. And it really is a, you know, almost a third of the game, right? It's we, we underrate special teams in general. Yes. It's been a big deal in Kansas city for a long time. And I think rightfully so, but these are this is where some of these players not only will make the roster or not make the roster, but this might be the only chance they have to make an impact early on in their career at this point for the, for some of these depth players. So I think it's it's not only again, it's not only a factor on roster cutdown day, but that might be the only place you see some of these players this year. Yeah, exactly. And and we talked about the Tobe effect, but that's that's alive and well for sure. Um, last, last overrated, underrated. We, we need to make sure as a, as a program or, you know, as a, as a fan base, we understand that every other team's, you know, cuts are not going to necessarily be, you know, good options for us to, to pick up. Um, you know, we, 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 it's a little overrated in terms of, you know, you hear these big names, maybe there's a draft crush you had a couple of years ago, they got cut, or maybe even this year, let's be honest, guys, 
there's there's about a week until the regular season now uh you know it's less than it's it's more than a week but it's less than two weeks and by the time they were able to get to get one of these guys in that maybe you think could be you know contributed to this team you know they've they spent a whole preseason a whole offseason working with another team learning their system and now they got to switch over and learn another system I think you, you'll see the team lean on guys that were here this offseason that they'll sign to the practice squad. Or even if there is, for some reason, you know, there's more additions to the regular, the active roster, it'll be guys that were here. It won't be guys externally from other places. It's just so hard to get them, uh, you know, acclimated uh, quickly. And so I, I would say let's let's not get too, you know, worked up or excited about guys that weren't around this team all offseason. Yep, I think that's fair. We're going to get pumped about every – wide receiver name that we recognize coming off of the, the waiver wire, but not too many of them are really going to be an option for the chiefs. There may be one or two players that they pick up. I don't expect them to pick up any impact players uh, on the waiver wire, but you know, you, you never know. Obviously there's a possibility there, but, but you're right. It's going to take a player some time to integrate into the team. even if and, Yeah. And sorry, real quick. I should have mentioned it, but yeah, John, John Brown is a guy that, that came to the waiver or, you know, the free agency, all of a sudden he was cut by the Raiders, which, you know, Raiders being Raiders, I, <laughs> I think they kind of needed someone like him in my opinion. Um, but you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. I think that's a guy that chief's kingdom is going to be clamoring for a little bit. I would just say, you know, I I'd caution that a little bit. I think the team has likes what they have a receiver in terms of depth. And so I think they'll just keep what they got. Yeah, there's Travis Fulham from uh, the Eagles as well that's had some really yeah. productive times. It would be a nice fit. So, yes, there are some players that might be uh, decent fits for this team, and maybe they'll make a move on one or two, but not everyone. And you're right. I think the team probably likes what they have. This is a deep Chiefs roster. They're good at most positions. They put work and investment and coaching into the players that they have, and it's a pretty good bet that they're going to stand pat for the most part. Let's run through the offense and defense real quick. Let's talk about how many players they kept at each position versus how many we expected them to keep and see if there were any big surprises there. So on offense, first of all, quarterbacks, they kept two. No surprise there, right? Uh, running backs, we already talked about. They could have kept as many as four. They kept three uh, on day one. So not a huge surprise and probably pretty close to uh, um, historical expectations, Ron. Yeah, no, actually, if you look at the the past few years, last year they kept three. You know, they did keep four in 2018 and 2019, but actually initially in 2017 they only kept two. So it fluctuates a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd say once we get past the putting people on IR and stuff, we might see a fourth running back. So that, it kind of does fit. It, it's all in there. They kept a fullback as expected, uh, five wide receivers with the big asterisk that Marcus Kemp is coming back to be the sixth. That's about the, the right number of receivers, right? Yes, they've kept six in most years, to be honest with you. Five in 2019 was the only time uh, they've kept five. But, yeah, since 2015, they've kept six every year except for 2019. The big story was a tight end where they kept four for those uh, 14 personnel sets that we're so pumped to see this year. Um, that's not that unusual historically, but it, it might be notable this year just because we think that the third and fourth tight ends have some ability. Yeah, they kept four in, in two years out of, out of since 2015. So last year, we all know Ricky Seals Jones stuck around, even though he didn't really play all season. In 2016 as well, they kept four. So, But besides that, they've kept three most years. So it is a little unprecedented for them to keep a fourth tight end. And then offensive line, they kept 10. Uh, which is definitely a high number. But again, let's revisit this after today. Pretty good chance that's going to be nine or maybe even eight. Eight, nine, ten offensive linemen, what's the norm? Yeah, they've never kept ten since 2015. It's been eight and nine. They've actually kept nine the past four years and eight the two years prior. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say we'll get down to eight or nine, and it makes a lot more sense then. A couple of questions from Twitter about the offense and, and who they cut and who they might keep around. Uh, first from SoCal, eleven eighty six. Sounds like my man Darwin Thompson is out the door for good. Do you concur? Oh, I, I don't agree with that at all. If if he does not get picked up by a team, which I do think a team like the Ravens, I think he actually does kind of fit with what they kind of want, and I think Gore could too. I think either of them could be a fit. Although Darwin's obviously a lot more experienced and a guy that they've probably seen more. 
Although last year uh, he he did have that fumble against the Ravens that put him in the doghouse. So, you know, maybe they remember that. But, yeah, I do think Darwin has a chance to be picked up. But if he doesn't, he's back here. There's no way they're just letting him loose and not, you know, thinking about bringing him back. I would say he's back if he makes it through waivers. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was going to make the 53-man roster. I, I think they find a way to bring him back in, in one form or another. Yeah, absolutely. And so with another offensive question, we got Jake Wilson, our guy, at Jake for now on Twitter. So he's, he's just asking about all the, the receivers and the tight ends, you know, Fortson, Gray, you know, Fountain now in the mix, obviously. How would you rank the opportunities for each to contribute this season? And I think that is an important question because we're getting hype about these guys, but how much are they actually going to contribute to the roster this season? So we'll throw Kemp in there too, just because it seems like we know he'll be back. But let's go with Gray, Fortson, Kemp, and Fountain. How would you rank those guys who actually contribute to the team to their success this season? You know, it's tough because I think obviously Kemp is going to have a big role on special teams, so he'll be contributing there. If we're just talking about offense and we're talking about um, Noah Gray, I, Jody Fortson, Doris Fountain, who was the other one? Sorry, Marcus, Marcus Kemp. Kemp. Yep. All right. So between those four, I think maybe it's Noah Gray. And I think it's possible that the Chiefs were, I wouldn't say hiding him during the preseason. I don't think that's the right word for it, but he didn't have big stats in the preseason. But I think the team's pretty excited about him, and I think they're going to carve out a role for him. He may be ready to contribute. We might be surprised by him a little bit, but I, I think of all of those, it might be Noah Gray. I think Fountain might be a game-day inactive type player unless there's an injury. For all the offensive production he had, he's not a special teams contributor, and he's going to have a hard time seeing offensive uh, production with, with the guys ahead of him. Jody Fortson might be the same way, although – I do wonder, um, it's almost a toss-up between Gray and Fortson maybe because Fortson's newfound blocking ability gives me some pause with this. But I'll say Noah Gray for now. I think they find ways to get the rookie involved in a dynamic role, and the rest of the guys are, are depth in case uh, something happens. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. You know, I, I hate to be so agreeing with you, Stags, but it, it should be <laughs> Noah Gray. Uh, he he did run a lot of routes in the preseason, especially and with the first team as well. There were there were times when he was you know running routes with Mahomes, dropping back and throwing. It just Mahomes never really threw him the ball, and and he got a lot of his targets from the backup quarterbacks. But yeah, I, I think Gray. We've kind of you know uh, he's lost his steam a little bit, you know, from the offseason and everyone hyping him up. Uh, as Nate Taylor put it, the the white horse on the sandy beach, uh, and and I think he'll he'll be closer to that that uh, that majestic scene uh, this uh, this season. I think he's going to have a, a pretty big role um, in terms of because Blake Bell isn't your second receiving tight end. If they want to have two tight ends out there and they want to throw the ball, it'll be Noah Gray out there. I think Blake Bell is going to definitely be used as a as a blocker more than anything. But hey, I think maybe we've been underrating Jody Fortson for a long time, and I yeah I think. You know, the team is definitely excited about Noah Gray. They've let that be known. But Jody Fortson, the fact that he's made his game more well-rounded, maybe he surprises us again and ends up being that guy. That'll, that we won't really know until the season starts. But do you see any of the other pass catchers? And this is a question from Drew Schonenberger on Twitter. Do you see any of the other pass catchers taking a big leap this year? And maybe it's one of these guys. Maybe it's somebody else. I want to say McCall Hardman. I think we all want to say McCall Hardman. And I think it's still very likely that he he could take that leap and become a guy that the Chiefs want to re-sign. And he is a legitimate number, you know, number two wide receiver, especially when you consider Travis Kelsey is your, pr- pretty much your wide receiver too. So he's actually more of a wide receiver three he needs to be. I, I want to say McCall. I would just I, I just don't want to bet on it. If I had to pick one guy that I think is going to, sh- you know, show up more, and it's, it's based on preseason a little bit, but Byron Pringle, I think, I, I think this is the year maybe that he finally pushes D-Rob, uh, you know, Robinson, and, and finally maybe starts, you know, hacking into those snap snaps that Robinson takes. Robinson has always dominated that, that exercise position, you know, when Sammy's out. He's always been that guy that they go to, but Man, I, I really think Pringle's a more reliable player. And, and I think in this third year of him actually being involved in the offense, maybe this is finally the year they, they understand that and he breaks through past Robinson. It could be. I think it's McColl, but um, it definitely will be a, a committee 
of all of those guys rotating in, it might be frustrating, especially for fantasy football players on in really deep leagues to try to figure out what, what some of these guys are going to do on a week to week basis. I, I don't see a lot of real breakout individual season performances. Uh, one more question before we go to break from man of consequence, uh, Matthew James and uh, on Twitter, what's the future of, of Garrett Deer <laughs> Garrett Dieter. Sorry. Uh, do we finally part ways for Garrett Dieter? You know, it, it's, it's appropriate. You messed up his name because first of all, it is a unique name. And uh, <laughs> second of all, he, I just can't believe he's, he's still kicking still around, but Hey, I haven't projected to make the practice squad. I, I think especially with the, with the rules this year, you know, the COVID rule is still in, intact in terms of you can keep up to, I believe, six guys that don't have any, you know, that, that are having limited experience. And, and, and usually it's only about two guys you can do that with. Or I think actually in regular rules, it's actually none. Um, but, yeah, so I think Dieter's making the, making the practice squad. It's not like we, we have to worry about him, him, you know, getting picked by another team, I don't think. Um, I just think I, – I think he's a guy that can play special teams in a pinch. He has played receiver in a pinch at times as well. I just think they he knows the offense. Maybe they just value that about him, but there's not much else besides that. He definitely doesn't have a, a very bright future. He's more of just a, you know, a guy that just keeps hanging on, and he'll just keep hanging on till he can't, right? Man, Ron, just destroying the future of Pat Mahomes' best friend <laughs> on the team. It's a, that's, a risky, uh, that's a risky business to bet against. Mahomes and his guy. We'll tell you what, let's take a break right there. We'll pay a couple bills. We'll come back. We'll talk defense and the practice squad and a couple more of your questions here on the Out of Structure podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we're back in here on the Out of Structure podcast on the Arid Pride Podcast Network. Make sure you're listening to all of our great shows we got plenty of them for you. It seems like every day of the week. But we talked about offense right before the break. We're going to go into the defense now. And real quick, we're going to break down exactly how many they kept on the initial 53-man roster at each position. And so right away, they kept nine defensive linemen, which I think we all kind of thought 10. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I will tell you, historically, in, in the last two years with Spags, they have kept 10 defensive linemen. And so that is why a little bit the Tim Ward was such a surprise. Yeah, I, I think that's really just a factor of the next position group. Sorry to cut you off there, but when it comes to linebackers, they kept six. We thought they'd keep five. I think that's a, that speaks to the Willie Gay Jr. injury, the fact that Darius Harris is on the roster. When that all sorts itself out, I think they end up going back to five linebackers and adding that 10th that uh, defensive lineman back in to put things back in balance. Yeah, yeah, they and they went five linebackers last year. They actually did go six in Spags' first year here, so it's not super unprecedented for them to go six linebackers. From there, we went to the cornerback group where they did keep six, Chris Lamons included. That is a little bit uh, different from what they've done in the past. Actually, in 2019, they only kept four cornerbacks initially, um, and maybe that was because they, they thought, you know, Tyron Matthew can play in the slot as well, you know, uh, and, you know, be a cornerback in a pinch as well, but – they kept four and five. They kept six this year. At safety, they only kept four, and that is a little different from what they've done in the past. Uh, they've kept five each of the last two seasons under Spagnolo. So the defense is kind of, uh, you know, structured a little bit different than, than we're used to under Steve Spagnolo. But I think by the time we see the IR spots maybe handle out, uh, you know, uh, and we see other, other players kind of come back to the team, maybe it kind of evens out a little bit. But that is, that is what we got there on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, no huge surprises. I think most of it played out the way that we thought it would, again, with a couple of exceptions on the fringes. And again, some of that will change after today. So we had a question from Alex Guerrero 55 on Twitter. Would you trust Mike Dana on any down over Frank Clark? And maybe over is the key word here, but uh, how are you feeling about Mike Dana and, and the way this roster is put together? Man, we should feel good about Mike Dana, definitely as a as a, a rotational guy that can come in there and give you good snaps and, and be a high-motor guy that, that's going to, you know, get sacks when the quarterback holds onto the ball too long and play good run defense. But I think you could say the same thing about Frank Clark. I know he, we probably should be able to say more about him uh, based on his contract. But actually, I think Frank Clark's just a little bit, you know, better version of what Dana can bring you. So actually, there are similar players, and, and and Frank Clark's had a little more juice as a pass rusher. Obviously, it just doesn't come with production sometimes. But he's a really good run defender, and I think that's the value of Frank Clark. You know, a big part of it at least. And so yeah, I I, I think I, I wouldn't say I'd trust Dana over him. You know, and in any situation, I'd rather have Clark on the field as long as he's healthy. But I do think they're similar players, and and someone and Dana is definitely a guy that can that can sub for Frank and give you a similar effect. Yeah, definitely. I think Frank Clark lands on my underrated list for this Chiefs team I think we've gotten way too down on Clark I think Mike Dana is certainly a player on the rise but he's Frank Clark's backup and he'll I trust him to fill in for Frank Clark but definitely not to replace him no yeah I I I, I'd love to see Dana play that well right I think we'd all love to see Dana play as well as a guy that that you know in Frank Clark's caliber who you know when the situation arises Clark does does come up big but I know it's it's not always in the regular season like we want it. Anyway, Alex Guerrero also had another question about the defense. Is Nick Bolton going to play significant snaps this year? And and that is the question. I think it's a big question Chiefs Kingdom is wondering, Stags. Is, is your guy Bolton from Missouri going to be a big part of the defense this year? You know, happy to see the Mizzou Tigers on the roster and to see him playing well. I think he's lived up to expectations so far for the most part, right? I mean, they gave him a long look in the preseason. He did what you would expect from a, from Nick Bolton. If you watched his college film, what's he good at? Hitting people, uh, knowing where to be from an intelligent standpoint. Uh, as a linebacker, he seems to fill the right gaps and seems to know how to get to where he's supposed to be. He did that pretty well during the preseason. He made a couple of plays. So I think he's right on track. Um, I don't know how big of a, a role he's going to have if everybody's healthy, but as soon as you start seeing some injuries like uh, Willie Gay Jr., I think that probably gives Nick Bolton a better chance at having some more snaps. And the more he's on the field, the more he learns, the more he develops, I think eventually uh, the Chiefs are going to have a good player. Yeah, good point on Bolton because I do think when everyone's healthy, he is a backup, just straight up. I don't think he's starting in the three-linebacker set, the two-linebacker set, or in the dime where Neiman will probably have the position right at first. But with Gay out, I actually think when they go in their nickel formations uh, with Hitchens as the mic, I think Bolton will be the will. I think they trust Bolton a little more than Neiman maybe to make plays against the run. And then obviously in the three linebacker sets, Neiman will be one of the starters. And then Bolton will probably be the same linebacker. But who knows? They might switch that around. He might be the will as well. But, yeah, I think I think Bolton, if Gay does go out like we kind of have, have unfortunately predicted a little bit, um, yeah, Bolton's going to have a, a big role on the team all of a sudden, at least the first few weeks of the year. Yeah, it's good to see this defense coming together. I mean, it really is one of the stories of the preseason that maybe we didn't talk about enough is the fact that this defense really played well. And they're showing some depth uh, in some young players that are developing, you know, right on schedule or maybe even after we gave up on them for guys like Colin Saunders and others that are that are coming back and, and showing something. I think this defense is going to have a, a big season. And I think the depth of it is one of the big reasons why. But speaking of depth, one of my favorite parts of this time of year is the formation of the practice squad. I'm not sure why, but the day after the NFL draft, I'm all pumped about uh, undrafted free agents and, and the flow of those guys coming into the roster. It's the same way for the practice squad for me. I think there's a lot of good players the Chiefs have just released, most of which they're going to try to get back on the practice squad. So if you'll indulge me here, I'll, let me just run through my prediction for the practice squad. We'll see if we disagree on any of these guys. But uh, from top to bottom, in no particular order, I've got Garrick Dieter, Tyler Clark, who really showed out in the last preseason game, Marlon Character, Bo Pete Keys, Prince Tega Winogo, 
Tim Ward, if he's not back on the active roster, DiCaprio Boodle, Shane Bouchelle as your practice squad uh, quarterback, Amari Cobb, Derek Gore, who had a big preseason, uh, Devin Key, Zane Anderson, Damone Harris gives you some extra depth at that defensive end position and one of your more experienced spots. Daryl Williams, who, who can provide that center depth on the practice squad. Uh, and then maybe a guy like uh, Wyatt Miller, who's a, a developmental offensive tackle player. I also think Darwin Thompson is a candidate here. So I just named off 17 players for a 16-man practice squad, knowing that at least one of these guys will probably be on the 53 by tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty on point. The only guy that you named that I don't have on my list is Marlon Character. I just think if they have Bo Peak Keys on the practice squad and they already have six cornerbacks up, you know, maybe they don't keep that that other cornerback. But same time, cornerback's a spot you want as many guys as possible. So it is definitely smart for them if they want to keep Character and they like him. Any, um, any yeah. notable names that would be excluded from the roster at this point? If that's the practice squad and we know what the 53-man roster is, uh, Ron, I'm going to show you my list here of cut players that that didn't make either of those two lists. Anybody notable there that you're that you hate to see leave the squad? Well, I, I will say Austin Edwards started to kind of you know him and Tyler Clark were both making plays against the Vikings towards the end of the game. And Austin Edwards is a versatile guy because he was actually a defensive end in college, but it seems like they were playing him more as a defensive tackle that three tech spot, you know, uh, in the preseason and in training camp. And so he's got he's kind of the guy that. May not be the biggest guy, you know, may not be like a, a, a you know, Tyler Clark was more of a, a, a hole plugging kind of guy. And so that's why I, I'd, I'd lean towards him being on the uh, on the practice squad over Edwards. But I, I wouldn't be surprised that they keep both because I do think Edwards has a little bit of that pass rush juice as a college defensive end, but also is probably bulked up to play some defensive tackle, obviously, in the training camp. So maybe it's kind of a best of both worlds where you have a guy that can maybe give you a little pass rush juice out of the defensive tackle position. For me, and maybe as a local guy, Darius Shepard, who um, didn't show a whole lot in the preseason, but has got a resume that would indicate that he's a player, at least as a returner uh, and potentially as a receiver that you could develop. So I, I don't know that we'll see any of those guys back right away, but uh, it seems pretty clear that's how it might shake out. Uh, we'll see by the end of the day whether we were right or not from the practice squad. Yes, absolutely. But let's get to some more questions because Chief Smash Forever, our, our, our guy, always asking questions. He asks, now that we have the most roster, you know, most roster moves, you know, done, most surprised to see cut, which practice squad player had most long-term upside, knowing that they have not announced, but people we assume from cuts will go back to the practice squad. So which practice squad player has that, has that upside I guess we just did just talk about Edwards and Darius Shepard uh, as guys that are outside the practice squad that have a chance. But what about the guys you did name? Who has the highest upside to you? Well, I'm not giving up on Cornell Powell's upside in the long term. Uh, I think he should be on that list. And then there's the other ones we mentioned that just barely missed the, the final roster. Bo Pete Keys, Prince Tega Winogo, Tim Ward. I think all of those guys deserve to be on this uh, this list for this answer as players that have potential that we've seen some flashes of what they can be on a professional level with the exception of Powell so far. And, and I think uh, any one of those guys would be on a 53 man roster of another team and, and you wouldn't blink an eye about it. Yeah. Let me throw this out there because I do think Derek Gore, I, you know, the more I think about how he ran and that screen pass, the more it kind of reminded me of an old friend who was also an undrafted free agent guy that kind of came up and, and became a contributor. Charkandrick West, he kind of did kind of remind me of him in terms of just his little shake, the shake he had and just, you know, how, how he runs a little bit. You know, I, I, Charkandrick West was originally just a practice squad guy that no one had ever heard of, you know, injuries to Jamal Charles that year brought him up and he became a, quite a contributor. So if Gore sticks around for a little bit, never gets his chance. I think he, you know, maybe that maybe that's maybe he's a Trakendrick West type of player where he's not a super talented guy, but a guy that fills in and does his job well. West was a beloved player here. He's got a great personality. Uh, Moosey, the nickname that I always I was puts a smile on my face thinking about West. He's a great guy and, and, a, and a good chief, and that's a good that's a good comparison. I like that. I'll throw maybe one more player uh, your way that I think could have some upside that we haven't talked a lot about. Uh, what about DiCaprio Boodle? 
Uh, Buda played pretty well in the preseason. He made a couple plays, including a sack, I think, uh, in, in the recent one of the more recent preseason games. I think he's got some upside there, and he might be somebody fun to watch. I really hope that he sticks around and they have a chance to develop him. I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I have a couple times noted that he should be a priority practice squad guy for the Chiefs because we all kind of saw it coming that he maybe not makes the team. Although, you know, Lamb is making the team. You know, maybe I, I would have probably – you know, Keys probably makes it over Lamons to me, but Boodle maybe even over Lamons. But anyway, yeah, I, I think Boodle, he's that slot type. They've been using him in the slot in the tra- in training camp in the preseason, so he can back up Sneed and Fenton. And he's also a very physical player at the point of attack. He, he can tackle really well, and, and Spags loves that from his cornerbacks, as we know. So, yeah, I, I, Boodle is a guy that I'm glad you mentioned. He, he should be a guy that sticks around in the practice squad. Well, it's nothing but optimism around here for player development, for the death of this team, for the – uh, regular season to start. Let's talk about, are there any remaining issues? When you look at this roster, are there any other positions that you're worried about? Are there any other situations that you're worried about? What are the biggest remaining issues now that the roster has been constructed? Well, the Chiefs, the Chiefs do all these things. We, we get excited about the season and, and kind of, uh, we've kind of all maybe forgot about it a little bit. I know we, we haven't all forgot about it, but Tyron Matthew has still not been signed to an extension. And I think we all expected that to be done by now, especially by the way they they both both sides have talked about it this offseason. I mean, I remember back in May, Tyron saying, you know, I, I'm confident it'll be done. You know, I'll, I'll let my guys, you know, my people, you know, work, work it out. I'm not involved in it, but I'm confident it'll get done. Here we are a week before this regular season. It still hasn't gotten done. It is a little concerning to me. They could franchise tag them next year if they want to but at the same time then orlando brown is it would have to be extended because he is an undrafted free agent as well or you know a, an unrestricted free agent as well so i it is it is a little concerning a little bit that matthew hasn't been signed yet and and i don't see what the holdup is you know I, I, harrison smith got an extension recently and the number isn't a crazy number if he wants a little more than that i i, I wouldn't blame him i think it makes sense so Stags, I don't know. Are we, are we, should we be worried or am I just kind of overthinking it a little bit? What do you think? Well, Cody Douglas asked the same question on Twitter. What's the extension? Uh, or what's the issue with the extension? Is it cap? Is it terms? Is it something else? Uh, and he notes, I think he's the man, by the way. I hope he retires in chief. I echo that sentiment. I think everybody on the team does as well. He should not be going anywhere. And, and frankly, you don't want the rest of the roster to see – you in an ugly contract dispute with a guy who's that much of an emotional leader as Matthew. And also as outspoken as he is, he's going to speak his mind. And if he feels like he's being disrespected by the team, that's not a good thing. So I I really, I don't know what the issue would be. I do think the market's been set. I think it's just a matter of time. I hope they get it done sooner rather than later. As far as other issues, Remaining on this team, we talked a little bit about the defensive end depth or the edge depth right now, and I think that is a concern day one at least. You've got Chris Jones playing out there, and he's looking like you know defensive player of the year candidate. But Frank Clark's banged up, Alex Okafor is banged up, Mike Dana's looked great. But after those guys, right now on the active roster, all you have left is rookie Josh Kando, who we thought would be a long-term project. So. Maybe I'm a little worried about defensive end depth. Tim Ward could help that a little bit. Damone Harris, you know, could help that a little bit. If those two guys are still in the mix after today, maybe this is a little bit less of a concern. But as of today, defensive end depth has to be a little bit of a concern. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think five defensive ends, especially with one of them being in his first year as a defensive end, you know, being, uh, you know, a career defensive tackle, and then two, the other two, you know, being guys that have injury problems and, and especially not just injury history. Okafor has a history, but the injury history has been this preseason as well. That's just not good to me. That's why, that, like I mentioned earlier, that's why I'm super surprised Tim Ward didn't make the team. But I bet we'll see. I bet we'll see something. I don't think they'll go into the week one, you know, with just five defensive ends in rotation. Another part of it, though, could be wide receiver by committee. We only have five receivers on the active roster, uh, you know, right away. Tyreek Hill is the number one receiver. We all know that. But behind him, it really is just whoever, you know, whoever's in that role, whoever steps up. It truly is a committee at the wide receiver position. Is that something we should be concerned about? I don't necessarily think so. I think each player knows their role enough. And I think, you know, having having the tight end group that we have now, I think it'll 
you know, diminish the need for, you know, great receivers, I guess. But Stags, what do you think about the wide receiver by committee approach? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not worried about it at all. I think this team is going to continue to flow through Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, hopefully Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this year. And then everybody else is just going to fill in. So I, I think seeing Mahomes being able to spread the ball out amongst a, a variety of different wide receiver threes, fours, fives, whatever you want to call them, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not concerned. I, would you like to see one of those guys just absolutely blow up and assert themselves? Sure. There's a reason I drafted McCole Hardman late in a, uh, a dynasty fantasy football league. You know, I, I think there's, you know, there's a chance that he's the guy that blows up this year. And then all of a sudden it's not so much of a committee anymore, but if that doesn't happen and every one of those guys has three, 400 yards, 500 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns apiece, you still have a pretty good offense all the way around. So I'm not too worried about that. Of things that we're not worried about, but maybe we should be excited about. How about this question from Energy Schultz? It's a, uh, is it 2 a.m. Injure E-N-G-R on Twitter? I don't know how, if, what, what he's trying to say there with that name, but <laughs> this, I love this question. Uh, who do you predict being this season's luxurious Sneed? So it can be offense or defense, but I'm assuming when he says this year's Sneed, he's talking about a rookie who just from day one looks like a seasoned veteran and goes on to be arguably one of the top five or 10 in the NFL at their position uh, from day one as a rookie, maybe even out of nowhere. So who's that going to be this year? A little bit of a stretch uh my answer will be definitely because i don't i don't see him being a top 10 player and at his position like i i do think sneed earned last season but you know i i think we just talked about the dn depth and i think tim ward not making the team i think it points to them being very confident in what they have in joshua kando at defensive end especially like we mentioned with the injury stuff i mean you'd think they they'd want to stockpile that position if frank clark and oak are dealing with things i mean we haven't seen clark at all this offseason he hasn't played any preseason games has barely practiced since since preseason kind of kicked off and I, I gotta imagine it means they're confident in Kando and I think we saw some good things from him he hasn't been you know he hasn't been super productive like Tim Ward was in the preseason but you know we also you know shouldn't overrate preseason production you know whether it's the lack of it or, or a lot of it and so yeah I, I think I got to imagine they like Kando I you know I like I said I don't think he's gonna be you know one of the best defensive ends in the league all of a sudden but what if he does become a, a really good pass rush specialist that can get, you know, you know, four or five sacks or even a little more and really become a key part of this pass rush? I think I think all signs are pointing to them being confident he can do that, in my opinion. Who do you have? Wow. Well, first of all, that that is that would be a surprise given where we started with Josh Kendo. Um, and it would be one of the greatest things that could happen to this team this year. If if Kendo <laughs> all of a sudden is a even a five sack player, uh, much less a 10 or more. This is a, this is a tremendous defense with some pass rush uh, ferocity all the way across the front. I, I can't imagine how much fun that would be for Kendo to be a breakout player, to be talked about on the national stage as a rookie. That would be, you know, just the absolute best case scenario. I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine that it's actually going to happen. But, man, if it does, that would be awesome. Um, my guy, I think, is a little bit more of the obvious answer of the rookies. He's already talked about amongst Chiefs fans as a legend. Uh, Trey Smith is going to just be, you know, demolishing people on the offensive line. He's starting from day one. He wasn't expected to be a later round pick. He's going to start from day one. He'll be able to learn and establish himself as the season goes on. I think the Chiefs got themselves a, a potential star, if as much as a star can be at the offensive guard position. I think Trey Smith has that potential. Uh, he's shown it, at least on the highlight reels, and he's shown the ability to, to work and, and get the mental side of the game down. So Trey Smith started from day one, late round draft pick, developing ahead of schedule. You know, again, maybe he's maybe he's not a national household name anytime soon, but he's got a shot at being as good as anybody, his position uh, really early on in his career. And that's a pretty exciting thing for a six round draft pick. 
Yeah, and I think when you're talking about like who's the next Snead in terms of because I, I do think Snead became a national you know name. I think a lot of people maybe not as much as we we would like to see as Chiefs fans, but I do think a lot of people were touting him. And I do think Trey Smith, the way he plays, <clears throat> why how he's such a highlighted, you know, he has so, so many highlights because there, you know, he does have some holes in his game, his flaw, some flaws in his game. He's not perfect yet, obviously, as a rookie. But he has all the highlight plays. He's going to drive a dude into the ground five yards downfield. He's going to be nasty with his blocks sometimes. And that's what's going to get the attention of people around the league. And so that's how, yeah, I, I think that's realistic that he does become such a big name. Honestly, even if he's not the greatest guard yet, even if he is just kind of a highlight reel guy right away, I do think it's still going to translate to people calling him one of the best young guards in the league. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I called him out on that last week, the week before, and when we talked, I think he might be – even overrated already at this point in his career because of the highlights, because the highlights are so good and they're so fun to watch. And you get glimpses of, you know, Quentin Nelson or, you know, one of these guys that, yeah. that where he's just destroying people. And, you know, if you watched him on every single snap, you might find some where you're like, Oh, he got driven back there or, Oh, he missed his assignment there. No, who watches every snap of offensive line film in the, you know, there's a lot of people in the NFL do, but not a lot of fans do. So he might be a name where his reputation might get ahead of his consistency. The one thing that the team was happy about, and probably the reason he has the starting job so far is that so far he's been very consistent in their eyes. And if he's got the consistency factor, we know he's got the wow factor. Um, he, he could be, a much, much, much bigger version of Legereus Sneed this this season for the Chiefs. <laughs> yes, literally a much bigger version of Legereus Sneed. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm really excited to see Trey progress this year, I, I think. And then the offensive line. It's, it's going to be a fun year, guys. It's definitely going to be a fun year. I think this roster looks fantastic. It's exciting to see it come together. Not a lot of huge surprises, but I think most of us uh, have reason to be pretty content with what the Chiefs have done and how their 53-man roster looks. Keep your eyes open for Ron tracking all of these practice squad additions later today on arrowheadpride.com. Definitely watch uh, and listen to all of the podcasts on the network. Uh, There's some great stuff coming from Ron and BK, from Pete and John Dixon, uh, but also the Great British Chiefs show coming back uh, pretty soon. So keep an eye on all of those podcasts. Rate and review wherever it is you get your podcasts. And definitely... I appreciate you all hanging out with us today and look forward to talking to you again next week when we can talk about an actual Chiefs NFL regular season game coming up. 